Good evening. Jeff Stevens here again. Listening to some more set for the fall. I get my evening rock and roll in. These guys are phenomenal. I mentioned it before, if you get a chance, pull these guys up, set for the fall. Uh, you know, glorifying God, but singing music that uh, that I like. All the guys I, I'm friends with like, and uh, just really good music. And they had a really good hearts for the Lord and serving Him and Him alone, and um, just just great music. Hey, uh, thanks for joining me again this evening, and I wanted to talk to you about something we talked about at church last night, and so I've done this on a couple of occasions now where I've spoken on this podcast about what we were going to talk about in Wednesday night Bible study at church, where if you are uh, going to the Nation of the Cross Ministries Facebook page, you'll see the videos of, of them there. I think we have many of them there. My wife puts them up, or even the Deep Creek Baptist Church website will put them up. Uh, myself, um, sitting with uh, the church's uh, pastor and one other fellow, uh, we all sit together and we um, just talk about different topics, uh, things that are going on inside of and outside of the church, theological topics, things that are on our heart, things people ask us to talk about. And um, what we talked about last night was fellowship, which is really relevant uh, for today's church for a number of reasons. One of those reasons being that the church has not done a very good job lately practicing um, biblical fellowship. And what does biblical fellowship look like and how do we do it in the midst of this COVID uh, pandemic? Um, And how do we do it in the midst of the orders from states or from governors and the uh, in the midst of concerns of church folks who want to stay safe and not get sick, but are also craving fellowship with one another, uh, you know, in the midst of excuses, in the midst of mandates. And there's, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, but as with most things in our lives, and I could say and safely in all things, when we have questions about our life, we have questions about our walk, when we have questions about how to conduct ourselves, There's a place we can go where we will find guidance, where we'll find mandates, and we'll find that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and gives us the answers to questions we have for living our lives, um, carrying ourselves in a Christian manner, and for conduct of the church especially, right? And that's the Bible, of course. So last night... We wanted to talk about fellowship specifically. And it was just the pastor and I, and we put it up online, and there were church members there that interacted a little bit uh, with us. Because this is this is a good topic for right now, because it's something uh, for the contemporary church in the United States that hasn't really uh, had any sort of challenge to it um, in the last couple of hundred years. We've been able to freely practice our religion uh, without any sort of... Uh, real uh, intervening by federal or state or local governments, <clears throat> no uh, laws set against us or mandates set, set against us that disallow us from meeting together in the home, in the street, in public, in our own church buildings owned by the church uh, overall or the congregation, wherever your church is set up. We've, we've never seen this before and we are starting to see something 
that is concerning uh, to parishioners and um, leadership alike. Of course, if you see any sort of news and you're a believer, you'll see that um, Grace Church out in California, uh, under the guidance of its head pastor, John MacArthur, essentially just took a huge step and said, look, we're going to meet because God said to, and that's what we're going to do. Now, for our little church, we've been meeting uh, for a number of weeks now inside um, after the pastor deciding um, with guidance of the men in the church that meeting outside in cars in the parking lot was just not really working too much anymore. And it was so extremely hot outside. And although it was good for people to come and wave to one another and hear the word of God preached, there's still something missing. And of course we know why, and it's because that personal part of fellowship, it was just not happening. Um, so fellowship, what is it? What does it look like? Are there references to it in the Bible, or is this just something we come up with uh, as a church, you know, for a reason to just get people to come into the church and drop money into their basket? Well, Here's what it is. So the word that we get for fellowship is koinonia. It's a Greek word. Um, you know, the Blue Letter Bible definition, I'll give you a hundred words for this, but really fellowship is association, community, communion, joint participation, you know, sharing things with one another and participating. Uh, it, it leads to an intimacy um, and uh, joint gifts, uh, exhibiting an embodiment and proof of fellowship. There's contribution, there's collection. So there's a lot to this. What does it, what does it mean? What is the definition of fellowship? It really has to do for us as the church is the coming together of believers together. And we'll get into this a little bit later, but why come together? Well, because one, God told us to, Jesus told us to. Um, but when we look at the example of the apostles, uh, after Jesus left is they are clear that we fellowship with one another through their words. And if we look at Jesus's walk while he was walking with the apostles, he gave the example of fellowship regularly, uh, breaking bread together in Thanksgiving or Eucharisteo, um, where there is a time spent together breaking bread and praying and spending time with one another, um, glorifying God through prayer through love, through learning, um, and that's what we should be doing. That's the example set forth, and uh, the Word of God is clear, and this is something that churches should be doing right now. And then there's the, the how. We'll get into that in just a little bit. So let's just look at what are a couple of examples from the text that we can take on and say, all right, the Bible does say this. It does say to meet together. So here's a bunch of them. Uh, I would recommend you Google it because if you just want a, a hundred of them, there's a hundred of them out there. Some big ones that come to mind, of course, Acts is a great place to go. There's a bunch in Acts. You just look at like Acts uh, uh, second chapter and verse 42. Uh, we look at fellowship as a breaking of bread and praying. A really strong example there, very simple. Uh, they pray with each other in steadfast continuance of the apostles' doctrine. So the doctrine of the apostles, of course, is... Um, perpetuation of the gospel. So the good news, gospel being the good news, the good news being that Jesus Christ came for us, the God-man. He was uh, he lived a sinless life. He was killed on a cross three days later. He rose from the grave, 
and then uh, he ascended into heaven, and we know that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The good news was he conquered sin and death to be the propitiation for our sin, the payment for our sin. He atoned for them. And because of that good news, we know that it, through our belief in him, we are able to spend eternity with him. Now, how do we know that? How do we get to know those things? Um, we know them by fellowshipping with one another. And the way that the example given in the Bible of fellowshipping and learning with one another is breaking bread and praying and continuing in steadfast continuance of that doctrine that the apostles carried on. So really important that we do this. Um, and this is in from the smallest to the largest setting. This can be, you know, lunch with a buddy, uh, dinner with your wife, uh, one other person all the way through dinner with your wife and kids into your extended family and friends, your neighbors, home groups, all the way to uh, church events and large church events and revivals and things like that. So on every level, and we do it regularly. Um, Paul gives some great examples, 1 Corinthians 1, 9. We're called into a fellowship uh, with Jesus by God. So this fellowship isn't just one another. It's a fellowship that we see with Jesus Christ. So the word there for fellowship, so that joint, that sharing of um, a good example of having fellowship with Jesus would be reading your Bible, getting intimate with your Creator and with your Savior by spending time with Him in the Word of God. And we perpetuate that through our love, that He loves us first, therefore we love Him, and that rolls into we love one another, and we have a desire to have that Acts example of fellowship where we break bread with one another and talk about that fellowship that we have with Him. There's also some warnings by Paul, if you look into 2 Corinthians 6, 14, about not fellowshipping too much with uh, people who are, we don't want to become unequally yoked, essentially. So there's this, uh, you know, funny thing that the kind of the, um, the hippie generation of the contemporary church likes to always say, well, Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and, and the prostitutes and the sinners, you know, he wasn't afraid to just go hang out with them. Well, Let's be clear here. One, Jesus was God. Um, you know, uh, even if tempted, could not, would not sin. Um, and secondly, he went there to tell them to sin no more. He went there to rescue them from their sin. He didn't go there to hang out. He didn't hang out at strip clubs um, and at bars so that he could get drunk and tip um, 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 strippers. The, the deal here is Jesus went to sinners, and sinners come in all shapes and sizes. So when you say he hung out with those people, well, guess what? He also ministered to uh, rich, clean people, um, you know, who are just hoarding their money uh, in, or just obeying the law and thought they were overly self-righteous. He ministered to everyone in between, so just trying to bring up that point. So I say that to say this. You need to be careful about who you spend your time with because when you use the word fellowship, when it's fellowship, with Jesus by God, and then fellowship with each other, breaking bread and praying together. We do those things with fellow believers um, because that's what edifies us and it lifts up and glorifies God. Um, you know, going and spending time in places that we shouldn't um, doesn't glorify Him. Now, going to those places to reach people, that's something else, and that's not a fellowship issue. That is, you know, part of our mission for reaching people for the gospel, right? 
2 Corinthians 8, 4 brings up ministering together, which is really important because this is part of fellowship. We spend time together toiling for the gospel. We spend time together serving others, loving others, feeding others, clothing others. That is a really important aspect of this koinonia. It's that we are together in this. We don't do it alone. We do it as a body. We do it as a body of Christ. We do it uh, knowing that we all have certain strengths and weaknesses and gifts. And as we do this um, ministering of others, we do it uh, as a team because God has built us to be a family and a body. And we are uh, very successful when we work together all for the glory of God. We look at some other examples uh, like Ephesians um, 3 9 is a great example. I don't want to get deep into it, but I'll just say this if you read into this, into Ephesians in 3 9, you see this thing of the fellowship of the mystery of creation. And what I would say about this in Ephesians, if you read this, um, it's writing by Paul, and it's much more than just the one verse. I think you can go through um, most of the buts and ands in this, is that as we, we read through it, we really see that we are in fellowship with the creator of, of everything, and that through our fellowship, we learn more uh, about him, we become intimate with him, and we should also be reciprocating that through teaching about that, that mystery. So I don't mean teaching about the unknown, but I mean teaching how amazing he is, that he has the ability to create this perfect plan for our lives starting right from uh, Genesis 1 right through the end of Revelation, and that we know we are a part of this plan. Um, Philemon gives some great examples as well, fellowship uh, of the Holy Spirit in Philemon 2, and then sharing in Christ's suffering in Philemon 3.10, where you know it glorifies him that we um, are continuing to toil for the gospel and we share in the suffering that he had as he suffers for the gospel. This is something we put first in our lives is the mission of Christ is understanding that he, you know, he suffered and died and was buried for our sins. He was crucified for our sins. It wasn't easy and it was for all sin. If you can imagine all sin that's ever happened in the history of humankind for those who choose him, all that sin gets placed upon him in that moment. Very, very tough to understand how he becomes that propitiation, how he actually becomes uh, the payment for that, how even one one being, one man could take on that much filth and disgust and that much hate and that much death is just unreal. So sharing in Christ's suffering is, is, is uh, an important part of our fellowship. We share in it together. Um, in 1 John, and I like how um, John's epistles have some, some cool things where he talks about fellowship. And he talks about in 1 John 1, uh, fellowship with one another is fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So as we gather near to one another and we pray and we break bread and we love one another, this is the intent. If you can think of it this way, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all being God, are a perfect fellowship, although they are one God in three separate persons. It is the perfect fellowship. God creates us to glorify himself, but it is a perfect fellowship um, in its glorified state, which it will come to, of course, at the end. 
Uh, when God created it, it was perfect, but it will be perfect again. But when we are with him, in our fellowship with one another, glorifying him, praying to him, and lifting him up, um, and we are together, we have him with us. It is fellowship with him. Um, I like this part of 1 John, if I could, just for a moment, bear with me. We start right at the beginning of 1 John. Um, I'll read this because I think this is a really important part of understanding our fellowship walk. In 1 John verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is so cool that there's joy is complete in understanding our fellowship with one another and our fellowship with God. This continues on. If you keep reading in 1 John, it's going to, the the theme of meeting together is all through this thing. But just another couple of verses, starting in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Very um, impactful, a whole long study could go into this, but just to pinpoint how it's important to fellowship, um, when we have fellowship with one another, we are, through the love of Jesus Christ, we are exhibiting that love relationship of the fellowship we have with him as well this helps us to walk in the light when we are loving and serving one another in in a way that exemplifies his greatest uh, command right which is love one another we should be loving one another and he goes on to uh, say you know we shouldn't be lying about our sin we're all sinful people we're not we shouldn't be deceiving ourselves but um, we are sinners who are cleansed by his blood, and we um, there's this feeling where there's a sanctification process that begins when we are spending time with one another, and we are edifying one another, and teaching and learning from one another, and we are especially teaching and learning about the eternal life that we get through our son, our our um, our Savior Jesus Christ. So, really. Um, an awesome group of verses there. I suggest going through the epistles of John regularly. I do. And I think they are, um, amazing examples of our fellowship with one another. Um, there's, there's a lot more, and I think you could continue to go on for a long period of time. And, and, uh, and for the sake of time, I will just 
remind you that there's, you know, there's a lot of examples that are out there that we could go through. And, um, you know, the writer of Hebrews tells us that we should not neglect meeting with one another. You know, this is something we should be doing. Um, And even in Acts, recorded by Luke, um, when we look at... uh, chapter 2 all the way all the way towards the end in verse 42 they devoted themselves um, this is believers right they've devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship of breaking bread and the prayers and when you think of the idea of being devoted to it it's like I live my life to spend time with other believers I live my life to spend time with other believers because God loved me so much that he sent his son and he set up this example of fellowship where I love people who love God so much that we spread our resources and we spread our time and our talents around that group and we love one another and reach one another for the case of Christ in our communities in a way that can't be done in any other way except through the love of Jesus Christ. Very important. Um, the I'll kind of close with this is because it's such a hot topic as to where and how to meet in light of the COVID uh, virus, uh, the COVID nineteen virus, the the epidemic uh, that we're having, or pandemic that we're having is people are wondering what they should do. And look, there are a strong leaders in the church that agree and disagree on this topic and what they should do about opening their church or opening their church safely. Should we have people with masks, people six feet apart? How do we do it? There's a couple things we need to get out of the way, right? So as Americans first, the First Amendment allows us the right to assemble and have free speech. But what's more important to that is we've already made the case that we are supposed to be fellowshipping and spending time with one another. So I'll just say it, and I think it's really clear, if the, the lesson comes from the Bible that fellowship is the example we, we should be practicing as believers, then it is sinful that we do not. It is sinful that we don't meet together and pray to him for one another asking for his provision in our lives to keep us from sin. It is sinful that we are not spending time as a body, whether that be the small group type session as a family through small groups in your home and up through and to meeting in the church. And now what that looks like in your specific church, depending on the comfort level of people there and how they should be separated or massed, that's another thing. But we shouldn't be neglecting it. It's the the text of the Bible is clear. There's no muddy water here at all. It is absolutely sinful that we're not meeting with one another. So I would say this to you, fathers, in your home, meet with your wife and your children. Invite your neighbors. Invite your friends. Encourage your church. Encourage a small group. Find a way to do it that's as safe as you feel comfortable with the people around you. For some of those, it'll be more intimate than others. And for you who are church leaders and church elders, you need to figure this out. This whole online church thing, although I don't mind having online church available for those who can't or won't, uh, and it's good for learning and teaching throughout the week, people on the road, I get that. It's all good stuff. The internet's a tool we should be using. But look, it's not fellowship. 
Let's not lie to ourselves. It's not fellowship to watch TV from your couch in your pajamas, just you and your wife while drinking coffee, and then go about your day. Nothing is done. Let's look at what that example is for the first century church. Just real quick, what does that church look like? Acts 2, verse 46. Acts 5, 42, 8, 3, 20, 20. Where did they meet? House to house. Acts 10, 2 in Cornelius' house. Acts 12, 12, Mary's house. Acts 16, 32 in the jailer's house. Acts 16, 40, Lydia's house. Acts 18, 7, Titius's, Justice's house. Romans 16, 15, 1 Corinthians 16, 19, Priscilla and Aquila's house. Colossians 4, 15, Nympha's house. Philemon 1, 2 in Nympha's house. Um, you know, the the largest part of the temple teaching that was ever done in the Bible is, you know, we look at that example of Jesus in the week before his death. Read Luke 21. It talks about him uh, teaching at the temple quite a bit. And then in Acts 5, we see the apostles teaching every day at the temple, probably out on Solomon's portico, right? They're out there. This is where they get arrested. Whole other story. But other than that, all this ministry is taking place in people's houses. Jesus is in people's houses. He's in people's living rooms, people's kitchens. The apostles are telling us uh, you know, through especially through Luke, that uh, early century, first century Christians are meeting in people's houses, going house to house, breaking bread together, praying together, giving thanks together in people's houses. That's where it needs to start. You need to be uh, fellowshipping with others in your home. Um, seems like to me more ministry actually happened and more sharing of the gospel in homes than any other place. So I would start there. Start with your home. And make it something you're comfortable with. And that's going to be different for everybody, but it it needs to be done. And then encourage your church leaders to find a way to get that body of Christ together. And again, be a useful tool uh, for our Savior. Um, It is our commission to disciple. We should be sharing this word of God that has, it is the only power and all the power to save souls. We need to be sharing it, we need to be teaching it, and we need to be true to it when it comes to spending our time and our talents and our love with one another. So that's my encouragement to you today, warrior brothers and sisters. Um, Go meet somebody, shake somebody's hand, hug them around the neck, cook a meal for them, share a meal with them, spend time with them at your local church or in your home. And uh, of course, the best encouragement I can give you is stay on the grind.